There will be spoilers ahead. Lots of spoilers, so be careful, won't you? Okay, Max, it's very simple. When I sneak inside, you stay in the van. If anyone comes, honk the horn twice. But if it's the cops, honk three times. Unless it's just the rent-a-cops, then honk four times. Wait, what? If they're armed, honk and flash the lights. But if they're just doing rounds and no one's seen me, then play the radio. Now, once I'm in, you make the call. But what call? The call. You know, the call, like in all the movies, the call. Okay, now, you have the codes, right? What what codes? Didn't I give you just one job? Get the codes, I said. Is that really too much to ask? Do I have to do everything? What are you talking about? We're not pulling a heist. We're doing a podcast. Yeah, but even podcasts have codes, Max. Everyone knows that. So, did... You get the codes. The only code I have weighs 10 pounds and is about to be applied to the back of your head. Oh, this gang ain't good enough for you, huh? What gang? There's just the two of us. You mean the... Yes? Oh, it's just Max Mike Movies. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, did you like a little drama? (laughs) Had you full teeth? Oh, yeah. This week, I'm so very fooled. This week, we're stealing your attention with the oh, third oh, in our oh. series, Focus on Viola Davis. This film is 2018's Widows, a crime drama directed by Steve McQueen. No, the other Steve McQueen. And All finally, he needs a fast machine. Uh, and he has one, I'm sure. And finally starring Viola Davis. As stated, we're your host, Max and Mike. He's the one slapping a shillelagh against his palm, and I'm the one whose head happens to be the same size as his club. Let's leave the size of my shillelagh out of this. (laughs) It's a tender subject. Uh, And it's huge. It's another bad Uh, joke. (laughs) So it is. But regardless of all of that, we're moving on to the poll question. Poll question. Last week, we asked... If you could project yourself into a movie world, which one would you pick and what would be your role there? You can't choose an existing character. You have to make up your own. And these were your answers. Snowy, that's Vince in French, posted to the website, quote, I would like to live in the no-scarcity world of Star Trek in spite or maybe because of how ambiguous it is or rather isn't represented throughout the franchise. Well, that covers everything. We simply know that the virtually unlimited energy and the invention of replicators has freed humanity from poverty and war, and everyone can concentrate on things that they want to do as opposed to what they need to do to survive. We never really see it in action for the everyday citizen of the Federation. Mm. A world where I could just do my animations and art and not worry about losing my home, etc. Sounds like one I want to live in, end quote. Well, I totally agree with you. Beam me up. Mm. Thanks, Vince. Very reasonable. Yeah. From Facebook, we have Dave. Dave. Quote, I see. Well, if I'm going to take this meaningless existence on our world and move it to a meaningless existence on another world where I would know nobody and have all of the flaws in my body and character intact, I suppose I would want a comfortable life. I suspect that either Narnia, where strangers can affect the destiny of the entire world, or Deep Space Nine, where the life is relatively luxurious and there is food and healthcare, would be ideal. End quote. Thanks, Dave. Oh, wow. 
Dave, you win I... our mystery Bumpy Bucks prize of the week. It's hey. so secret, even I don't know what it is. It's okay, I do. <laughs> no, Boy, Dave, I, I think you're spending too much time in Germany. That was kind of bleak. <laughs> Not to say that our German listeners are bleak. Except they are. Do we have Sorry, any? Black Adder was right. The starkness <laughs> of the German character has not been exaggerated. Their operas last for three days, and they have no word for fluffy. But they have beer and sausages. <laughs> they do have that. And St. Pauli's Girl. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wish I had St. Pauli's Girl. No, that's, that's, <laughs> Wait a minute. That was, yeah. that was German Rick Springfield. <laughs> Rick Springfield, yeah. <laughs> All right, moving away from that, Dr. Becca Pelkey was next with, quote, do we get to pick the time frame too? Like, I'd say maybe the too easy option of Harry Potter, but only after the events in the books are sorted out, uh, LOL. I imagine I'd be a librarian at an American magic school since we don't hear much about magical poets, end quote. Ooh, that's a good choice. And yes, uh, you may pick yep. any time period in that. Yeah, you would want a post-Voldemort world, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Post-what's-his-name-world. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Tyler Stewart chimed in with, quote, It seems to me that while one can pick the movie, one cannot pick the role or character. See Veil of Ignorance slash Original Position. It's like those folks who believe in reincarnation but are certain that they were someone famous or glamorous when they were really a succession of peasants living in squalor. If you choose Blade Runner, you don't want to be Deckard. You want to be someone in Tyrell's social class. What are the odds of that? So thinking about it, I'd want to be somewhere or when that had basic modern level of tech. Indoor plumbing, electricity, etc. So no LOTR movies, please. I think the 1978 Superman would work because you'd either be Superman, a villain, or one of the rest of humanity, all of whom are being protected by Superman. My or other having choice... buildings dropped on you by him. <laughs> he said the 78 version. There's no buildings mm -hmm. that drop on people back then. <laughs> My other choice would be any movie in the Star Trek franchise, specifically the Federation. It is a futuristic utopia that works. A third choice would be my dinner with Andre. You spend your entire existence eating dinner and arguing with Andre, Gregory, and Wallace Shawn. And we have a winner, Woody Allen Sleeper. Okay, yes, it is technically a dystopia, but it's a pretty amazing existence. You have robot servants, chocolate, smoking, and fried foods are good for you, and there's always the Orgasmatron. Fine, life would be vapid and shallow, but that's very appealing to me right now. End quote. Wow, that was a lot of answer. Thank you, Tyler. And finally, Valerie Coons, who is totally sick of jokes about her and I being related, said, quote, <laughs> Fun question. I've always imagined what it would be like to just be a citizen of one of the Star Wars planets as a shopkeeper or maybe an artisan of some kind. Or maybe an elf in Middle-earth, a warrior or shaman, if they have such things, end quote. Oh, they do have such things. Thanks, Val. So, uh, Max, mm. where, when, and who would you be? Honestly, I would like to be one of the rich people in Nick and Nora Charles' circle of friends. <laughs> I would. I think I that heard, would be I awesome. Heard that was a murder. murder. <laughs> yep, you get involved in all these exciting cases. You can drink as much as you want <laughs> and never suffer from it. At most, you sit there with an ice pack on your head. Uh, you, you live in these palatial apartments in New York City or or a house in Los Angeles. I want to be like that. And but, you're and you're in a in a time when it's just great to be rich and white. <laughs> but but Max your entire life would be black and white. I'd adjust. <laughs> what about what about you? When and where would you want to be? I'm going to go with Star Trek. Um Yeah, I get that. I mean, I've got a replicator. What do I want tonight? I want Macaroni and cheese with andouille sausage like they used to make it 300 years ago in New Orleans Cafe number X or whatever. Click. 
Da-da! <laughs> I'll have it. Um, yeah. Hey, Transporter, can you remove all the weight I just gained by eating that macaroni and cheese? Sure! Yes. Uh, yeah, wait, yeah. I'm sorry, disease? There isn't any? Sounds great to me. Um, and technically, if you really stretch things because they do this and they pretend you don't notice, um, you can remove aging? Sounds perfect. I'll do yeah, it. Yeah, I, yep. sign me up for the robot body that Picard got. Only yes, de-age me, please. Yeah. Well, you know, I wouldn't even mind if I got to turn into Patrick Stewart. Um, but there Damn. you go. So, well, as always, thanks tons for your answers. Yep, thank They're you. Always thought-provoking and fun. But that was yesterday, and this is another. What? This. <laughs> I just live for those little You're mixing your metaphors. <laughs> this week, we'd like to know, is there a movie that's ever made you want to get into show business, whether it be acting, directing, or some other aspect of the whole thing. You can tell us in the usual ways. Get on the show and earn bucks galore. Maybe even mystery bucks, what, uh, whatever those are. But now, we've got to go on to trivia. The facts. Viola Davis' first professional performance was on stage, not in front of a camera. She had a role in an off-Broadway production of As You Like It. She was one of the original cast for the first production of August Wilson's Seven Guitars, one of his 10th century oh, plays, wow. as discussed last week. She has since been in two other of his plays, Fences and King Headley II. That's After Headley. <laughs> That's what I said. Oh, right. After making a bunch of movie and TV appearances, she went back to Broadway to star with Meryl Streep, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and oh. Amy Adams in Doubt. Man, I wish I Dang. had seen that show. <laughs> wow. Speaking of awards, guess. wait, uh, were we? Uh, sure. She's one of only two, two African-American women to be nominated for both Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor. Max, can you name the other one? Actually, no. I was going to say Butterfly McQueen or Eddie uh, Daniels, but I think they were both only nominated for one one award nap. I don't I'm not sure who. The other one oh, was wait, a, no, I do know Whoopi Goldberg. Yes, Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi, that's right. Uh, Ghost and the color purple, I think. There you go. She's also the only African American woman to receive three nominations for anything. Um, Academy, you have a lot of work to do. Seriously, guys, you're you're just embarrassing yourself and us. Yeah. But let's leave some trivia about Ms. Davis for Max next week. Sure. Now, trivia about the movie, Widows. The movie. Budget, $42 million. Take, take a guess. Uh, I'm going to go with $80 million. Oh, you're very close, 76. That's um, mm. That's not enough. Guess we're going to have to really. pull a few jobs to make this movie come out of success. Yep. See what I did there? This was Every, Everyone saw what you did there. <laughs> everyone. <laughs> this was Viola Davis' first leading role after having played 75 supporting <laughs> roles in other films. Wow. Yeah. Besides this being her first leading role, it's also one of the first screen appearances of Viola Davis's hair. Oh, no wig this time. Okay. Yep. In fact, when she approached the director, Steve McQueen, saying, okay, so what uh, what extensions, what wig do you want me to wear? And he said, I want you to wear your own hair. She was like, wait, what? <laughs> and I don't even know what that looks like anymore. <laughs> neither do we, because we've never seen it. Yeah. The movie Widows is based on a British TV series of the same name that dates back to 1983. Really? Whoa. Really. Olivia the dog has her own IMDb page and has <laughs> appeared in two other films. She uh, got her own trailer and groomer. What a diva. Of course. Oh, God. <laughs> Actually, I'd, if I were working with the dog, I'd want them to have their own trailer, too. 
Yeah. Go, Bolt. Alice, played by Elizabeth Debicki, couldn't drive in this film. Neither can Elizabeth. Oh. Well, yep. she's English. They drive on the wrong side anyway. I think she's Australian. Same thing. Ah, uh, if you'd like well, to write I'm about dead. that last comment, write to Max. <laughs> at- <laughs> I apologize, Australia. <laughs> I mean, at one point it kind of was true, but that was about two, uh, nah, 150 years yeah, ago. Yeah, not really. Even then it wasn't true. <laughs> well, they sent British people there, so for yeah. a moment, yeah. Chicago, often played by other cities in films, is, in this case, actually Chicago. Excuse me, that's Chicago. Uh, I'm not from Chicago, so, yeah. Or Dub Bears. Uh, Though they are both Irish, and they're both actors, Colin Farrell and Liam Neeson have never worked together before this film. It's not a huge bit of trivia, but it was one of those weeks. This is another film with a lot of Oscar power here. There were three winners, Viola Davis, Robert Duvall, and Daniel Kaluuya. I probably got that wrong. Okay. There were also three nominees, Liam Neeson, Jackie Weaver, and Cynthia Erivo. There was a special Uh witness to the crimes in this film. Lucas Haas, the boy from the movie Witness, has grown Uh, up and uh is still linked to violent crime, sort of. I see what you did there. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And really, so much more. Uh, Unless, Max, you uh, have any trivia you know about this movie? No, no. I think uh, you covered everything I know. Ah. Well, then let's get to the plot, shall we? Except I am pretty sure I know why... Sorry, I do know. I'm pretty sure I know why they have when the one scene that Liam Neeson and Colin Farrell have together. You notice Neeson never stands up because he, I don't think they wanted him to tower over <laughs> Colin Farrell because Liam Neeson is a freakishly tall giant man. Well, and so I didn't put this in because I didn't. You know, with, but since you brought up height, uh, apparently yeah. the scenes oh, yeah. where with Alice and her mother were a little, um, shall we say, difficult because yeah. Elizabeth Debicki is six three. Her mother was four <laughs> eleven. So yep. yeah, she stayed seated. Yeah, plot. It's present day Chicago, and Harry Rawlings, not Henry Rollins, played by uh, Liam Neeson, I, is I about to too. take his gang on a very big heist indeed. He's obviously done well, as he and his wife, Veronica, played by Viola Davis, live in a very swank apartment. Everything seems to be going well until the cops bust in unexpectedly. One of Harry's men is shot, but the gang manages to get away with a huge chunk of change in their premium white van. (laughs) Making a quick change to another white van, they find that they're caught in a trap, and the cops open fire on the van, killing all inside. Meanwhile, there's a hotly contested precinct whose alderman is coming up for election. The old guard, a long-standing political family called Mulligan, is the favorite with an actual local man named Manning coming up on the outside. Somehow, it seems that this theft had something to do with Manning, and he's determined to get his money back, preferably from Harry's widow. With nothing she can actually call her own, Veronica contacts the other widows and forms a supergroup! Or, rather, using the planning notebook Harry left her, Veronica gets the others, who are as down and out as she now finds herself, to pull off a caper against the Mullicans that will net them a cool five mil. She'll be able to pay off Manning and still have plenty to share with her newfound gang. But there's a good deal more going on than meets the eye. Things get violent, ugly, murderous. Can our widows get away with the goods, or will they just end up like their husbands, dead in the street? Only Viola Davis and we know the answer. And anyone who saw the film or well, was yes, um, in it technically. or who uh, worked but this the VA. Yeah. <laughs> the film. 
All right, before we go any further, I know yeah. we've, we've we've dragged you this far. We have two yep. big spoilers here, at least I do. Yeah, yeah. First off, there is a big twist towards the end of this film, about maybe two-thirds to three-quarters of the way through. Yeah. It's really going to be hard to talk about the movie. We'll try and put it off as long as we can, but it's going to be really hard to talk about the movie without talking about He's Luke's twist. father! Sorry! <laughs> Max, ah, you don't understand what a spoiler is! <laughs> So, yeah, the other spoiler, this comes from me, I'll let Max do what he feels best. The other spoiler is, I like this film. So, if you think you might want to watch Viola Davis in Widows, maybe stop here and then come back. Just remember to come back. Please come back. Okay, are you we'll back? Sit here, we'll sit here all alone. Why were you gone so long? It was so cold. So cold. Max, you but. don't need to sit in the fridge. Oh, but it fits my butt so nicely. <laughs> butt steak. Yeah, so big spoilers. If you want to see the film and don't mm, want the twist yeah. spoiled, by all means, stop the recording. Do now. come back to it. Do come back. Now that you're back. Yes. How about that, how about that twist, huh? Ooh, wow. Boy, that twist was so Dang. twisty. <laughs> um, this film starts big yeah. and fast. And um, with a lot of, of very sudden tonal shifts. I yes. mean, we start out, Liam Neeson is making out with Viola Davis. Which made me which, feel funny. Yeah, which I have to say was a lot hotter than I <laughs> thought it was going to be. And was <laughs> sort of awkward. Summer. Yeah. <laughs> but, and then suddenly we're in the middle of a heist and people are, being, are shooting. And I don't mean middle of the heist where they're going, you know, go, 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 move, move, move. And they're like, ooh, we're a creepy mouse. Sneak, sneak, sneak. I mean, like, Blam! Blam! Oh, God, they found us. Yeah. Well, they and, jump right in. Now, and here's one of those times where people might say, um, I think you guys are hypocrites because you guys talked about tonal shifts back in other movies and said you didn't like them, and now you're saying that you like them. i got to say, I think it works. Yeah, it's jarring, but it's kind of supposed to be. That part of what this, the, the move, one of the, the themes of the movie is what you think it, the world is or what you think your life is versus what it actually is. Yeah, and we'll get a little bit more into this a little bit later, but Steve McQueen, thankfully, and I will bow down to this because I hate this, is not really interested in handing you a bunch of expository dialogue. No. He's not there to, to explain things, and there we have questions, but the cool thing is they get answered. It's sort of just like, hold on, we're getting there, we're getting there, yeah, and we yeah. do. And I'm not left with any questions at the end of the film. I just need to be patient, and... I like the way that he slowly unfolds things so we understand what's going on. I never feel lost. I just feel like I want to know more, and then he gives it to us. Um, starting off with Viola Davis, uh, finally, she's allowed to look good. <laughs> yeah, and she does. She dresses gorgeously. They, we see her own hair, which looks nice. And there's no fat suit. <laughs> there's no fat suit. and Yeah, I got to say, at one point, she's wearing a black tank top. That woman is carved. My she's, God. She's just like the two films we've done in this series so far just have not done her any favors. They just haven't. She just looks incredibly fit and powerful. And you understand why immediately the other women, you know, she calls together the other widows. Right. Or two of them and one of their babysitters. <laughs> kind, of an, kind of an odd thing. but That's okay. I liked her. And while initially they're like, man, she's got to you know stick up her butt and why she, but they accept her authority right away, and you totally get why. It's like yeah. just 
walks in and is like, yes, ma'am. Okay, I don't know why, but yes, ma'am. You are you are definitely in charge. Well, also, she's married to Liam Neeson. How many people can handle Liam Neeson? Seriously. <laughs> um, and it's interesting because yeah. the whole opening of the film, we first start off with cutting back and forth between um, Veronica and Harry. And then we cut back and forth between the other women and their partners or husbands or whomever they happen to be. I think they're all husbands. I'm not sure. And they give us just enough of a glimpse so that when the police open fire on this van full of these bad guys, my thought was, of all of them, the only one that's actually kind of a loss was Liam Neeson. The rest of them, eh. <laughs> yeah, the, the rest of the, the husbands, at least two of them. I don't think we ever we really know anything much about Amanda's husband. No. Well, but the, you know, we'll come Alice, back to that. <laughs> yeah, a, yeah, Alice's husband and Linda's husband, pretty major jerks. I yeah. mean, especially and, Alice's, uh, who, who beats her. Yes. And uh, uh, Linda's husband, uh, Carlos, who's an inveterate gambler and has signed away her store without telling her. Yeah. So, no, no major loss. Um, yeah. And then once, you know, th- and this is the just the opening of the film. We see what happens. Everybody dies, so on and so forth. And then they bring in this other plot line. And you're like, well, wh- what does Robert Duvall have to do anything? Got to say quickly, too. Robert Duvall has not lost one ounce of power. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, in this, he's almost 90 when they made this. And he looks, and I have to say, they enhance. They are not uh, hiding it. He looks no. old. Yep. He doesn't look terribly healthy. But when he talks, it's, you know... Great Santini, crap your pants, barely <laughs> leashed rage. Yeah. Yeah, and he, yeah, he, yeah. No, there, he has not, you're right, he has not lost anything. But it's even better than that. It's not just Robert Duvall being Robert Duvall. It's Robert Duvall having all of the internal power, but there are these little moments where he's just like, don't think I can't still take you down. And it's like, you're, you're watching his hand shake and stuff, and you're like, yep. you know, this is that moment where you can't. Yeah. But you still think you can. It's actually it's a it's not a big part at all, but you get Robert Duvall. You paid your a hundred yeah. bucks. You got your Robert Duvall. He's yeah, momentarily he, he really good. And uh, again, it's very it's a little obvious, but it's an effective thing. We see him the first scene. We see him. He's dropping the N word. So it's like mm. okay, we don't we're not supposed to like this guy. Yeah, and he's he is Colin Farrell's dad. Colin Farrell, by the way, does a damn good Chicago Irish accent. It certainly doesn't sound like his accent at all. Nope, nope, no, you would not know that was Colin Farrell, and uh, you you get a real sense of their relationship right off. Yeah, you know, like, like, yeah, Dad, I, I, yes, you're my father, and it's taken. Yeah, I'm this close to shoving you down the stairs. Interestingly, of all the characters in the film, his is the one that we end up not really knowing where they're going. Yeah, he's because he, a mystery. He's kind of, but it's okay because it's yeah. nice to not have him just be the usual. He's the basically there. It's it's like the dailies, right? So there's been a daily yeah. that's been the mayor of Chicago forever, um, and even people who aren't from Chicago mysteriously show up and vote for the dailies and they yeah, go back yeah. to New York. This, these are the Mulligans, and they've been in charge of this uh, district. They've been aldermen for this district for uh, what fifty years, eighty years. Yeah, and, and they're just it's expected that. Right. Uh, uh, Colin Farrell's going to take over. It's just the way it is. And if your father was Robert Duvall, you'd end up doing pretty much anything he told you to do, too. But yeah. it's also obvious he doesn't want to. Yeah. He doesn't and, want the life. He doesn't want... 
He doesn't want to be a crooked politician. Yeah, which is interesting because at first he's playing the game the way he's supposed to, and then about halfway through the film, he's finally just like, I think maybe because he's seeing those moments in his father where he's like, the old man's not as tough as he used to be, and this is my time to actually finally assert myself. And he does, and there's this amazing scene between Robert Duvall and uh, Colin Farrell where basically Robert Duvall comes away thinking, I'm still on top, and Colin Farrell's like, no. <laughs> yeah, he's like, nah, I, I, I've had, I, that's pretty much the last straw. Yeah. That, and uh, that strange and rather thankless part played by Molly Coons, who is uh, Siobhan, who's yeah. it, uh, uh, Jack's, or Colin Farrell, I'm sorry, I just keep thinking of Colin Farrell, I know his name, yeah. I think his name is Jack, uh, he, he, his assistant, Yeah. and just the way Duval refers to her as, you know, tell your red-headed paperweight, yeah. like, yikes! Yeah. Um, I also want to say Elizabeth Debicki, I don't know her, but she's a very nuanced character as well. She's somebody yeah. who's also been mistreated and been told what to do her whole life. There's this, quite honestly, rather wrenching scene with her mom because, of course, her oh, husband's God, just died. Oh, God, that's so cringy. Oh, my God. Basically her telling her, hey, why don't you become a whore? It's fun and profitable. Yeah, she's basically wants her, she's showing her a website for basically sugar babies. Yeah. Uh, and... She, you know, that, I, I assume this is why they never had her stand up because it's clear the mother has also been abusive because she slaps her. And I'm thinking, um, Elizabeth Debicki is like 12 times your size and could probably tear both your arms off. Well, their, their weight's probably about even. Because yeah, Elizabeth Debicki, kind of um, how to put this, needs a sandwich. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and her mother is kind of like a little angry fire plug. Yeah, my note but was yeah, that she, she looks like a Medigliani painting, for those who know Medigliani. Medigliani but, uh, yeah. She has a very nuanced character. At first, she yeah. starts off being the abused and not knowing any way, other way to live. And she goes through the film still pretty much doing what other people telling her to do, but she also starts flexing. Yeah, she starts, you know, th she's a person that's clear. When she starts off, you're like, oh, God, is she stupid? It's like, no, she's just never had to think. She's never had to use her intellect. And as she goes on, like I love the scene at she, she one of the things she's given to do is buy guns. Yeah. <laughs> she goes to a gun show where she stands out like a peacock <laughs> at a cattle show and I absolutely have no trouble believing. And you see everyone turning around going, "The hell?" Yeah. And it's not just the men going, "Whoa, hot." It's just like, "Wait, what? One of these things is not like the other." <laughs> And she do she doesn't know anything about guns. She knows what she's supposed to buy, and she pulls. She turns into this. She pulls this routine on a woman. Where like I am Polish mail order bride. I am escaping abusive husband. I need to buy guns for protection. Will you help me buy them? And it frig she friggin' kills it. She picks her. I, victim's not really the right word. No, she's not. Yeah, because she's not taking anything from no. this woman. The woman. She's literally just asking the woman to help her pick out the guns. She doesn't know what a Glock 17 is. The creepiest moment in that scene is when this woman's daughter tugs her sleeve and goes, Mama, you always told me a girl's best friend is her gun. Yeah. Ah! Now, to be fair, I think the reason she actually gets the woman, because she knows what to buy. She has a list. It's She doesn't want it traced to her. Oh, okay. That's what I think the reason yeah. is. Uh, I, she's picking up the guns. She's looking at them like they're alien creatures. I'm sure she's never seen a gun. 
No. And it's one thing to be told. You understand, when you go to a gun show, most of these guns are not labeled. You won't, unless you know what a Glock 17 looks like, or you know where to look for the brand name, you're not going to be able to pick one out unless Glock has a big sign over their booth, which, by the way, they should have. Um, I The only Glock I know um, has two octaves and mallets. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but um, The Spiel model. Yes, yes, the Spiel. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez plays Linda. Um, I think of the Widows in general, she's the one that I like the best. Her part's not very big, sadly, but yeah. she... We feel for her. Her business yeah. is being taken, literally being um, emptied by the people that her husband owes money to that she did not know that he basically gave them her store, her store, not his store. Uh, and they're just like, yeah, whatever, lady, get out. And all she has is this little store. It's just all she wants. She wants to be able to provide for her kids. Um, we yep. assume that her, it's their husband's, Carlos's kids. But um, I feel a lot for her. It's not a very big part, but she does great in it. Yeah, she is very, but she is both. Very strong, very tough, and yet th there's a very strange sequence where they're starting the heist mm -hmm. and she's trying to get information. Uh, they're basically using Harry's notebook. He's planned out. Every, he's documented every single one of his previous heists and the ones he hasn't done yet. Yeah, the next one. Yeah, and, and she, there, she basically um, Ro Veronica says we're going to... that. They, uh, base, uh, sorry, we're jumping around on the plot a lot. Uh, a, ga a gangster, basically, one of the Manning brothers, show up and say, hi, your husband stole $2 million from us. Give it back. Yeah, and, and it went up in flames when the van exploded, the, yeah. uh, the little ordeal with the cops. So we think. Yeah, we're getting to that. Because yeah. <laughs> we can't and, not, but uh, yeah. But that's why she's doing this. She has nothing. She, nothing is in her name, so she can't even liquidate her assets if she had two million dollars worth of stuff, that so, if the, if the, the apartment's the owned, she probably does because yeah. that is a nice. That is apartment. a very nice apartment in Chicago. That would be worth a lot of money. Chicago. Chicago. Um, so the two uh, political people here are uh, Jamal and Jatem Manning. Um, Jamal is running for the alderman the position alderman, against yeah. uh, Mulligan. Now here's the thing: apparently, this particular precinct is predominantly black. Guess Mulligan isn't. Yes. <laughs> but he's just, you know, the family's been doing it for so long, they tend to get voted in. Um, Jamal is actually from there. Uh, Mulligan, their house is just inside. Yeah, it's one block within the precinct. And it's just obvious that the, 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 the lines have been redrawn at some point, so it'll yeah. include that house. And it turns out that uh, due to some, you know, this is Chicago, one of the homes of dirty politics. What? Yeah, le yeah, legendary. <laughs> and uh, Mulligan, the elder, pissed off the mayor or someone, and the region got redistrict redistricted. Yeah. So now they don't come out and say it, but it means the population is much more predominantly black. Right. They're more likely to vote for a black politician. And Jamal's hands are not exactly clean. He's been no. involved in ugly stuff for a long oh, time. Oh, he's a criminal. We, can, he, we know this. He's yeah. a crook. But he says, basically, look, I'm 36, I don't want this life anymore, and I don't want to live in a place that's run by these white people who pretend that they care about us and don't. And so he and his, basically his lieutenant... His, bro <laughs> yeah, his brother, Jatem, yeah. who is... Frick, that, that's Daniel Kaluuya, and yeah. he is friggin' terrifying. Yep. 
I hope he's a nice guy. And if any, if he is, I'm actually kind of sorry because I'm sure a lot of people assume he's like his characters, and I'm guessing he probably isn't. Um, but he does really, really well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, basically, what ends up happening is there's actually some very interesting meetings between Mulligan. Jack Mulligan actually comes down to try and sort of talk um, Manning out of continuing to run or being part of a debate that's coming up, which is going to be a big deciding factor, and Manning is not having any of it, because yeah. why would he? What's he got to lose? Nothing. Um, the funny part is is that, uh, oh yeah, um, it seems that the Mulligans are uh, falling in the polls. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so they had $2 million wherever they got it from that was going to be used for the campaign that suddenly is now burnt to cinders. Yeah. Uh, that's probably. why they're rather, they're rather uh, probably. That's yeah. why they're so mad at uh, Henry. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the direction too. I want to talk about the direction. I really like the directing in this, and I know I've seen at least one other Steve McQueen film. I can't think of what it is. The big one he's known for is Twelve Years a Slave. Yeah, I didn't see that. Um, but I think there's one other one of his that I have seen, and okay. I thought it was really interesting. He has some really, like provocative choices. There's one in particular where Mulligan gets into his limo and he's talking mm. with his, I'm guessing yeah, she's his campaign manager. Yeah. yeah. And they're having this, but this is basically where he's like, yeah, I don't want to do this. And she's basically saying, man up and do yeah. it. You're supposed to do it. But we don't see them. We're on no. the outside of the limo and we can sort of see the shadow of the chauffeur who's black, but we can't see them. And it's like, this is a really interesting choice because it makes us feel like we're listening in. And this film has a lot of surreptitiousness about it and a lot of things sneaking around in the background that we don't know about till later. We're getting to that. Yeah. They're, they're, they're in, it's an interesting choice. I, I was un, wasn't very comfortable with that shot because I'm like, why did they just mount the camera on the car and forget about it? The only th Then toward the end, you realize this is also showing the way the neighborhood changes because as the car moves along, Farther away from the campaign headquarters of where Manning is, which is more of an economically distressed area and looks more dangerous, mm -hmm. you suddenly realize as they're getting to where the Mulligans live, suddenly, very suddenly, the houses get nicer, more expensive. There are also more bars on the windows, more gates. Yeah. So that was fairly effective. It's funny, one of the other directorial choices I noticed is there's a local preacher mm -hmm. who they're both, both candidates are sort of wooing, and, it, and we see one of his sermons, but it starts almost entirely with a close-up of him. And you can hear voices in the background, but you can't see who he's talking to or where he is. And it's very odd because it's, it makes the focus entirely on him and not the situation. Well, they pull back and we do see people like standing up and clapping yeah, and, eventually. you know, oh yes, and hallelujahing and stuff. And he's really compelling. Yeah. And I think the reason he did that is he's like... This is what the, the local population sees, the congregation sees. How do you feel about it? And the answer is, I'm not a religious person, but I totally feel his charisma oozing yeah. out of the screen. You would listen. You would, you would say amen when he asked you to say amen. And then we find out that he's actually more or less working with the Mulligans, and Manning well, is there to try yeah. and get him to say, hey, how about us? You know, we're all black. How about working with us? And the preacher is basically a businessman in this case, and he's like... Yeah, he's ah. very pragmatic. He's very much out for the main chance. He's yep. like, I'm going to just wait and see. And then he gets a phone call from Mulligan while he's talking to Manning, and he's like, I'll talk to you guys later, and walks off, and it's just like, yeah. wow. Yeah. Really interesting scene. And the character doesn't really come back 
we see him, but he's not. That's his big scene, and it's all we need, and it's really well played. Mm-hmm. Um, in general, I thought this was a well directed and acted movie about ugly people in ugly situations. Yeah, this situation is very, very dark, gritty, and nasty. Yeah, Viola Davis is unrecognizable physically and character wise, um, yeah. except for that power. Um, yeah. She has this amazing <laughs> power where I honestly believe Viola Davis could do anything she wants. Yeah, um, you get the feeling. Yeah, it's like, hmm, I don't want to be an actor anymore. I want to be a tugboat captain. Yeah. But, okay, I bet you would be the best tugboat captain we we got. Yeah, sure. Uh, oh, you're going to lift it and work on it with one arm while you <laughs> hold it with the other? Okay, yeah, that'd yeah. be great. Um, there's a lot of characters in this film, and I thought it was it's not quite as bad, but it felt almost Altman-esque. You know what I mean? Because there's so many little plots and things going on. Yeah, Altman you, tends to be a little bit more expensive. Also, the difference was we could understand what people were saying. <laughs> he does like his accent. <laughs> loves his mumbling. He loves his friggin' mumbling, Altman does. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot going on in this movie, and you have to pay attention. There are just little, like you said, nothing is spoon-fed to you. Mm. We see at uh, Harry's funeral a very brief shot of another headstone on the plot, someone named Marcus, mm-hmm. who uh, Veronica Lee puts a flower on. We don't know who Marcus is. He lo- from the, if you look at the very quick flash of the age, of the of the dates on the headstone, uh, was a kid. He was young, like teens mm. or twenties or something. Yeah, and we don't know who that is. And the implication is they don't have children. But we find out, yes, they had a son, who was. Pulled over by a cop and shot for no reason. And in the most heartbreaking moment of the film, we find out why, in a flashback, she says to Harry, "If you'd married somebody else, your son would still be alive." And it, yeah. at first, you, at first, we don't know what happened, so we think, "Oh, she miscarried," or yeah, or you know, or she, she he had a congenital disease or something. No, and what she's saying, which is absolutely horrible, is if she wasn't black, their son wouldn't be black, and yeah. he wouldn't have been killed. Yeah, which is oh, I don't know about you, that that was a knife right to my heart. As that I was really painful. And the thing is, you're like, yeah, can't argue with you. Yeah, and while the racial tension isn't uh, the hugest point of the plot, it's woven in like everything else in a really deft way that never feels like, oh, by the way, there's racial tension going on. You might not have noticed, but we're going to draw your attention to it by talking and saying racial tension right now in the film. Is that all right? Good. Um, That being said, all of these things are true. It's a brutal film. There's some really brutal parts to this, and one of them... Is the dog Olivia, uh. <laughs> who survives? Big spoiler: nothing happens to the dog. Okay, of course it doesn't. But this little—I think it's a Bichon Frise or a Bichon Frizzy, as we often call them. It's, um, it's a purse dog. You know. uh, I hate that dog, and I only hate the dog because every scene it's in, I'm looking at it, waiting for something bad to happen. To yeah, it. it's Veronica's dog, and there's a te- when Manning first comes to see her and tells her he wants his money, he ca- picks up her dog and is carrying it around, and you're like, oh god, he's gonna kill the dog to make a point. He's gonna kill it. Nope. And the dog is like, you know, perfectly calm. And he's like, yeah. oh, dogs is like really good judge of character, don't you think? Yeah, ah. and it's whining. <laughs> So it yeah. is. Uh, I just my note was that damn dog is going to be trouble. But later on, thankfully, she actually boards the dog, and I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's like one of those movies where 
you know, you have this badass woman who has children, and before she's about to deal with the final showdown with the gangster, she sends the kids out of state. It's like, yeah. thank you! Because, <laughs> of course, if it's a kid, they could die, but if it's yeah. a dog, it won't. Um, that basically is like, that is like a known death knell in Hollywood for directors. Yeah. You never kill the dog. Never kill the dog, and you don't, or you rarely kill the cat. Yeah, and even then, I mean, yeah. that's why Jones makes it through two different yep. films. <laughs> that was one of the big shockers in John Wick. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, that was a big plot point. Yep. Um, but yeah. Um, we, As I said early in the film, we have this, uh, this mm. thing that happens that... All right, so this is the spoiler part. If you want to like skip ahead about ten minutes or so, you can do that. But we we kind of have to we talk have, about we this really because do. let's face it, we're looking at these four women who have literally no experience in what needs to happen. They need to steal the money because otherwise, basically, um, Veronica thinks that the Mannings are going to kill her, and probably the others, and probably the others. Um, and she's probably not wrong. And she needs to pay them $2 million, which she doesn't have. So she wants to steal $5 million from the Mulligans. Well, she doesn't know it at first, but they, through various ways, find out that it's the Mulligans. Oh, and where did the Mulligans get it? It was from stealing money during basically a subway deal. There was a subway that was moving through a different neighborhood and through the usual... It was graft. They basically got it through bribes or graft. $5 million. It's hidden in their their house-slash-campaign headquarters. They want to steal it. Yeah, and because it's the last job that Harry has left them. Yeah, there's a problem with that. Here comes the spoiler. We get through three quarters of the film, two thirds of the film, three quarters of the film. Here's poor Veronica on her own, all of the women on their own. Harry's not dead. <laughs> yeah, and, and the way we find this out is actually a really well done scene. Yeah, she goes to the fourth widow, who has she's not brought into this for some reason. She has a well. She has a a younger baby. Although, well, you know, it also seems like she's there to bring her in. She's going to ask her to be the driver. Yeah. Because poor old Bash got killed. Yeah. Who's her her um, chauffeur? Um, and don't and forget, goes, Benny's in this film. I almost didn't recognize Benny. Benny's the guy in the wheelchair. Benny, you're on the wrong side of the river. Oh. <laughs> He's the guy at the bowling alley. Oh yeah. Oh okay. I don't know what the actor's real name is. As far as I'm concerned, his name is Benny. Yeah, um, but, yeah, the, but the uh, she goes over to Amanda's, and she's got the dog, and the dog gets away from her and is yapping at this closed door. Hmm. She goes over to it and just looks at it, and she looks down at the table, and on the table is... And the thing is, we're not told. We never see this before. We know Harry had a flask. Yeah. And we know that that's the flask. We did see it. There's a scene we earlier did. when she he's in the shower and she brings oh. him a shot. I thought that, that was later. Flask. Nope, I thought that's it was earlier. after. Okay. But, my, I don't know about you, my thought was, oh, she's finding out that Harry had, had been having an affair with yeah, this woman. That's what I thought. I figured, oh, his clothes are in there and the dog can smell his clothes. Yeah. No! <laughs> after she leaves, Mando opens the door, there's friggin' Harry! Yeah. And she says, and it's a really I- important line, want too much we should have left by now you always it's never enough yeah yeah and that i did not see that coming at did all not really Total blind well side. done yeah. really good twist and that's why we wanted to warn you so we didn't we're ruining yep. if you want to see the film yeah turns then out the whole thing was a setup yeah whole thing the was two set up million dollars was stolen because he's in league with mulligan and yeah and he betrayed his own gang he got them yep. all killed and he took the, the money did not get burned up 
he took it with him. Yeah, he claimed with Mulligan that because of the large charge of explosive that they used, that Mulligan used when the fan blows up, that half of the money got burned. We see in a flashback of what really happened. Yeah. Oh, no, it didn't. Um, and what's happened is in a very, very well-planned, well-thought-out deal, Harry has worked with Mulligan to not only steal money from Manning, fake his own death, but get his wife to pull his own job, which he is then likely going to stiff her for. Oh, you're definitely going to steal to steal it from her. We find that out. Yeah. Yeah, and he will get away. Everyone thinks he's dead. He can just walk away from it all. Yep. And the, the cool thing is, is that we Veronica doesn't show us what she knows. The dog barks. She sees the flask. She could assume a number of things. Oh, he came here. His clothes are here. Oh, the baby that she's holding could be his. Turns out both of those things are true. Um, I don't. I can't tell if she assumes he's still alive or not. But she leaves right away. Yeah. Yeah. Later, when she finally they con he confronts her, she doesn't act that surprised. But there's no. a little bit of I was wondering if you might show she, up at some point. Yeah. yeah. And it's a really great scene. It's a terrific scene. And he proves his character. Yeah, we just we don't see a lot of him in this movie, but we you know we find out. Yeah, no, this guy was scum. Well, you know, this is Liam Neeson's smallest part since Krull. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but he does have a very specific set of skills. Yeah. Um, there's moments of, not great moments, but just enough moments of incompetence to make it seem like they don't suddenly become insta they're not, they're not super criminals. No. Although I do have to say, when uh, uh, Linda and Alice are shooting for the first time, Okay, they don't hit the targets. They miss well, completely. <laughs> Linda actually hits the paper. Um, Alice doesn't hit the paper at all. Yeah, nowhere, not at all. But they hold the guns like professionals, and they don't flinch when they, when they shoot them. Yeah. And, and they would have. I'm sorry, you just do the first time you shoot a gun. I mean, here's this tiny part that they maybe they filmed it and they cut it out. That I don't. It didn't bother me. I know that you understand shooting better than I do. Um, I could easily see a thing where they walk in and whoever runs the range is like, "Oh, there is no way you're shooting anything before you get a little bit of coaching." So we're going to yeah. coach you. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe they got some training. That would be good. Yeah. But that doesn't always happen. But um, um, yeah, this this film is a little long. It's two and twenty, I think. Yeah, uh, two and ten. It's 130 minutes. But it moves really well. It's very well paced. It goes right along. And we we also we should talk a little bit about Bell, sure. the fourth the fourth member of the gang. Although, you know, I w I wanted to know more about her, which Me I too. understand why they didn't because they, they got there's a lot of characters in this movie. Yeah, she's basically Linda's babysitter, and they're desperate for someone to dr to be their driver because for one thing, Alice can't drive, and yep. uh, the others are going to be needed, and. Belle is a badass. We see this. You know, she's at one point she's running for a bus and she is just runs like lightning. Yeah, that's Cynthia Erivo. Um, if I were a straight person, which I'm not, I would have been goggle eyed watching her because she's very yeah. athletic. She's very, I think she's very attractive. Yes. Um, she's got this great dichotomy of really tough, I've been through crap, I can take whatever you can throw at me, and tender, and when you see her with the kids, 
she's like, oh, I would totally want her as my babysitter. Yeah. She obviously you... loves children, except she doesn't have time for her own, which is very, yeah. very sad. Which is sad. Um, and you get it. You know, it's like, oh, she's a terrible mother. No, she's trying to provide for her kid. And the only way she can do that is basically hustling and working all the time, which sucks. Um, but she, of all of them, it's like she's she's the Tom Cruise, if you want to put it on there. She's <laughs> jumping on top of things and yep. parkaying her way. She's the stuff. muscle. Yeah. She's the muscle. Um, I did. I, I kind of wanted to know more about her, but it was sort of like we really just don't have time. Yeah. Um, if they wanted to do an entire, like, I could totally see a spinoff movie about her. I'd watch it. Yeah. She's like one of those people when they were talking. Maybe James Bond could be a woman. Oh, I'd totally. It's like you need to go to that audition. <laughs> she could do it. Yeah. Um, there's and again, there's there's really no weak points. In the acting, I don't know. No, think. the performances are terrific. Yeah, even Lucas Haas, who's like, yeah. <laughs> it's so sad because it's like, gee, his face, he sort of looks familiar. Well, I wonder who that is. And he bends over and his ears are sticking out. And I was like, oh, it's Lucas Haas, <laughs> <laughs> which is mean but true. Um, I got to say, he grew up well. He's, uh, yeah. And he's an odd character. He's basically Alice's sugar daddy. Yeah. And he wants a certain level of intimacy, but he's like, you know, I'm, I'm not your husband. He's mm. very honest about what he expects. I kept expecting him to turn out to be abusive or horrible. Yeah. He's not. It's just to him, it's all a transaction. Well, and I think that he, he talks a little bit about his previous marriage and how it wasn't, she, she wanted him home all the time and is like, look, I'm this big architect, I'm flying all over the world, I can't do that. And I think that what he wants is he wants the intimacy, he just wants it when he wants it. And yeah, he it. wants it to be on his terms and on his schedule. Right. Um, tiny part, really small yep. part, but he, I, there's still something interesting about him. I don't entirely trust him, but I don't entirely trust anybody in this film. Yeah. One of the interesting character arcs, though, is, again, Mulligan. I don't know where he's going. Part of me is like, yep. I think there's actually some good in him, but there's it's also a lot really of It's really hard to tell, yeah. Well, he actually seems to want, I mean, yes, he wants what people feel about his initiative for getting black women to get their own businesses, but I actually think in some level he actually does care about it. It's just that apparently when he asks for the money back, I'm guessing there's a lot of interest. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, it, it looked like a protection racket almost, or yeah. know, loan sharking. Because, yeah, I mean, hell, the guy who collects the money collects it in a brown envelope. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't, but he also says, I don't want to be that kind of guy. On the other hand, where, do, where does he meet Harry? On his yacht. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has a mansion and a yacht. And a yacht, so. yeah. So he, he's a... It, it, a lot of the characters are very complicated. Yeah. Even I, Manning, you have to wonder about Manning, who's like, "Well, I, I don't want to be a criminal anymore." Excuse me, I, I want to be—I want to be a criminal uh, who works within the law. I want to be a politician. But I still want my lieutenant to go out and break legs. Yeah, yeah. And now, don't kill anybody. Okay, I'm not killing anybody. Stab, stab, stab. You're not <laughs> dead, right? Okay. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty much yeah. And he he couldn't have picked a better person because Jatem is scary. Just, yeah, yeah. I'm about done with my notes. How about you? Yeah. Yep. Think we're good. The finish. So, Max, hmm. you didn't see this when it came I out, I did right? not see it. I saw the preview. I never saw it. So, apparently, I read that one of the reasons this film didn't do well was that they didn't do much with the advertising. They were actually relying a lot of word of mouth 
um, and about some of the reputations. They were hoping for a lot of turnout from the black community, and they kind of just didn't. It also came out in November. Oh, yeah, that's that's. Now, that's either when you dump when you put out a lot of family or holiday films, not yeah. something like this. Also, this movie is not an easy movie. It's, it's not. It takes work and it's emotionally difficult. So, what did you think? Did you think it was worth it? Yeah, I think it's a really. I think the it's more the performances for me. The story is a little overcomplicated, I think, mm -hmm. but I think the the acting is terrific. I like the uh, the moral ambiguity is really nicely handled. But again, it's hard. This is not a fun light movie. No, and I. I I don't know. I, I like the fact we don't really know how what's happening at the end. Everyone, I mean, we sort of get, oh, look, you know, Linda gets her store back, and, you know, Belle's got, everyone's got money. And, but, like, Viola Davis, she's just sort of starting to open up a little bit. She, mm. like, cause she says, you know, we're not, we're not just in a book group. We're not here to be friends. Yeah. We're going to do this and never see each other. But she sees Alice in a restaurant, and she clearly wants a connection. Yeah. I think she wants to know how to be a regular person. Alice is the only one she has an actual vulnerable moment with, which I thought was actually very touching. Yeah. There's that strange one with Linda where she's trying to get information about where this, where Harry's mark is, where the target is, because it doesn't say. He just She just has the blueprints, and she ends up talking to some guy from an architectural firm. No, it's the husband of the architect. The, yeah, the, sorry, the husband of the architect. She's trying to find the architect, to find, and she finds out that the woman died a few months ago. Yeah. And she's like, you know, I, I lost my husband two weeks ago, and the the husband that was there is still clearly very distraught. And they end up, you know, kissing, in just in this tender but absolutely tragic moment. My first thought was, oh my God, is she really that cold blooded? Is she really trying to manipulate him? It's like, no, she no. just had a moment of of absolute vulnerability and wanted. Just some kind of comfort, and this and it, guy, a stranger, yeah, has the same moment and it takes it a little too far. But it's not. Yeah, she just said, "Oh my God, I'm so sorry," and she leaves. Yeah, That's, and the poor I guy, he, the look on his face is like, "This yeah. is the first connection I've had with anybody on yeah. any kind of intimate basis since my wife died," and it just and, I don't you know, know who she is. And it's Michelle Rodriguez, so you know. Yeah, that, look at that guy. That. No one, Michelle Rodriguez is not going to make out with a guy like that normally. Probably not. So, in general, would you recommend the film? I would. Again, not if you're in the so if you're in a dark place. I would not watch this movie because it ain't going to help you. But if you want to see a, a really well directed uh, example of cinema with the really good performances, yeah, I'd, I'd say watch this. Yeah, and you already said you liked it. I did. Um, I again, I wanted to give that away because if it was a terrible movie and we give away the, the twist, then who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say most of the really brutal parts are in the beginning of the film. Um, and so we kind of get past them, and actually there's enough time that I calmed down, because this, like Max said, it's dark in a number of different ways, and it's one of those films It's like, yeah, humans suck. Just yeah. All yep. of us just suck. There's nope, nope, black people suck, white people suck, every, the priest sucks, everybody mm. sucks. Politicians suck, yep, everybody sucks. But about a third of the way through the film, we get past that, and again, there's all these questions, and the film somehow 
lets you know. It's like, it's, it's okay. We're going to tell you. We're, it's, we're going to show you. Stuff's going to yeah. happen. We're not going to just read something like, oh, I twisted my ankle. Like that time when we went skiing in 1978 <laughs> and I twisted my yeah. ankle and that's when I met my husband or something dumb like that. There is none of that. It's well written. Um, the heist part is... It's very exciting. It's exciting. Very short. It's deft when it needs to be and awkward and clunky when it needs to be. Yep. The characters are allowed to be who they're supposed to be. Uh, in the end, Veronica doesn't suddenly go, Aha, I knew it all the time. Take this. She basically is like prepared for something. She's not sure if it's going to be that thing. When it is that thing, there's a, I mean, there's one final part at the end I'm not going to spoil. Yeah. But she basically is just smart enough to see past one aspect of what Harry has planned. And she adds her own little dash of pepper at the end, which is just like, mm -hmm. yep. Um, again, these are films that I would not have seen otherwise, the, this whole um, sequence with Viola Davis. I'm glad I've seen all of them. Um, she's an amazing actor. She deserves... Yeah. I don't care if she's been nominated. I don't care how many times. She needs more accolades than she's getting. Yeah. Um, she's a, you know, on top of this, apparently a really nice person. Uh, <laughs> but Max will yep. maybe tell us more about that next week. Possibly. But uh, a, so, but uh, what is our poll question again for next? Yeah, week? that's a good question, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> for those who don't know, yeah, that that's we'll just keep that yeah, out yeah. of the actual episode. But yeah, yeah. next week we would like to know: Has there ever been a movie that's made you want to get into show business, whether it be acting, directing, or some other role within Hollywood's glamour factory? Let us know, won't you? And you can do that through our website, which is maxmikemovies.com, where all of our episodes coexist peacefully and um, are very happy, and they have holidays and lots of bumpy bucks and mystery sometimes, bucks. And just sometimes we have to send some of them to a nice farm upstate where they can run and play with other podcast episodes. The Daisy Hill Puppy Farm? Uh, sure. Okay. Uh, you could email us directly, and that is us at maxmikemovie.com or maxmikemovies.com. Yes. You can see us on social media, such as Twitter, still Elon Free, yay, and uh, Facebook, where we are, of course, Max Mike Movies, and uh, you could uh, put up some flags. Maybe we'll see yep. your flags, um, yep. and that would be cool. Communicate by semaphore, why not? But we have one movie left in one our series. One more Viola Davis movie. Focus on Viola one, Davis. Now, this is another of her supporting roles, oh. which is most of them. Hmm. And I, this is not one of her biggest roles, but quite honestly, I'm guessing it's one of the roles she got the most money for. And I say go for it. Oh. And because she's finally she's joining one of the big movie franchises, the DC movies, oh. and we are going to ch check her out as Amanda Waller in The Suicide Squad. Oh. Now that's The Suicide Squad, not Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad, I believe, is 2018. This is the 2021 the Suicide Squad, and that article makes all the difference. Is it the only major difference between the films? <laughs> Fortunately, no. Ooh, I guess we'll find out why the is so important to movies yep. next week on Max Mike Movies. On the Max Mike Movies. Damn! This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench.